All right, well, welcome to another week here at The Well. And in case you are wondering what The Well is, we call this here The Well because The Well, as we like to say, is an ordinary place where God does extraordinary things week after week. And the name came from when we started this church the first week was the week of the Samaritan woman where we read the story about how Jesus met a woman at an ordinary well and changed her life forever. And we believe that's a perfect picture of who it is that we are as a church. We're just an ordinary place in an ordinary hotel where all kinds of ordinary stuff happens. But when we come and we meet the Lord Jesus here, as we said in that beautiful song, we meet the Lord Jesus here, he will change our lives in some way. And that's our goal every time we meet, is that we meet with him and that he changes us as only he can do. If you are following along, all right, this is our fourth week in a series that's called We Are STSA. And what we've been doing for the past four weeks, past three weeks, and this is the fourth week, is looking at our core values as a church. Because as I said before, and I'll say it again, that we don't feel that God has called us to be an ordinary church. We feel God has called us to be an extraordinary church and do extraordinary things. So in order to do extraordinary things, I said it before, I'll say it again, in order to do extraordinary things, we need to be extraordinary people and we can't live like anybody else in order to do what God has called us to do we have to live how God has called us to live so we looked at our core values and let's see how y'all are doing as far as remembering our course our first core value at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is limitless acceptance, limitless acceptance. is that my mic doing that is that me is that good now no no yes no I'll uh, go handheld maybe it's the maybe it's the battery Sorry, a little technical difficulty. It's okay. You can replace this for me. I'll just use the handheld tool. It's okay. A little battery never slowed us down. <clears throat> Our first core value here at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius is limitless acceptance, which says that we believe that every person who enters our church is the most important person in the world. And that person is sent by God and should be loved and accepted as such. We don't believe there's anyone here randomly, that every person that you meet whether it's here or out there at the coffee, is sent by God and we will accept every single person the way Jesus accepts every single person. Our second core value is... Ooh. Authentic community is our second core value, which says that we believe God created the church to fulfill our relational needs in addition to our spiritual needs. We reject superficiality in relationships with one another just as we reject superficiality in our relationship with God. And what this one is, is that we don't believe that we should be, um, have superficial relationship with God or with one another because we are the body of Christ and we were meant to do things together. Our third core value here at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius is? Uh, transformational communal worship. Well, let me put my mic on here. Can y'all hear me now? Is that better? No static? All right. My problem is I'm cheap with batteries. So they told me in the morning we probably need to change the battery, but I always feel like I can get a few more minutes out of the battery. Like I don't want to waste that one second out of the battery. So that's what it is. Hey, we're, we're a new church. We're starting off. We've got a budget around here, okay? So, <clears throat> all right. So transformational communal worship is what we talked about last week, which says that we gather. We're not just gathering to accept one another and have community with one another, and we're not a country club. We're not like a, a, a group of people that just gets together because we like hanging out for no reason and drinking coffee together. We gather around the real presence of God in our midst every time we meet. Liturgical prayer is not just a routine. It is life-giving and it is real and it is the center of our life together as a family. 
This one, we talked about last week, how if we are meeting together and it is not around the table of the Lord or around the presence of the Lord, then we're no better than a country club. And we don't want to be a country club. This is way too much effort and, and, and time and invested for us just to be a country club of people. We gather around the presence of Christ in our midst every time. Whether that is liturgically, okay, but in a more, also we can take it also in a larger sense, that any time we meet, we are a church and God is in our midst. And we want to make sure that we always keep that in mind. All right, now we are on the fourth core value at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius, which is passionate pursuit of God, which says this, we don't stop worshiping after we leave the church. We seek to live passionate lives for God, pursuing Him every day through prayer, Bible reading, giving, witnessing, and everything we do. One of the things that you'll see in our core values is there's like a theme that kind of runs through them. Is the theme of the word, like it's the same word, just you, different ways. Genuine, authentic, and here it's passionate. Meaning we don't want to just go through the motions around here. If we're going to be a community, let's be a real community. And if we're going to worship God, let's really worship God. And if we're going to come to church together and be filled by the body and blood of Christ, let's leave here and let's continue to pursue Him all throughout our lives. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's not do one thing on Sunday, be another thing on Monday. That's what this core value is going to challenge us. And I said in the very first week of the church, I said, these core values, they're not easy. Right? And, and, and you're going to be challenged. Being, like I said, if God wants to do extraordinary things, we're going to challenge you here. And if you don't want to be challenged in your spiritual life, you're not going to like listening to my sermons. Because I'm going to challenge you. Because I believe that God is challenging us together. <clears throat> we don't need any more people going through motions. There's more than enough of that in the world. Would you agree? People saying one thing, and, and, and not living it out for real. You know, I read a nice quote the other day. It was saying about how some people never become Christians because they never meet a Christian. And some people never become Christians because they do. The truth of the matter is, is that our Christianity, that's, the truth of the matter is, we need to investigate what we call Christianity. And we need to investigate what we call my Christianity. Because if it all it is is something that's on Sunday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., then something ain't right. Because Jesus died for a much greater reason than that I would just be a spiritual person from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. If that's the only reason that he died, something ain't right. So our key word here for today is going to be the word passion. We're going to speak about passion today. And we're going to speak about what passion means. Best way to understand what passion means is let's understand the opposite of passion. What's the opposite of passion? What would you say? What? Huh? Apathy. Apathy. Okay, that's good. What's the opposite of doing something with passion? Apathy is good. There's a different word in my mind. Who? Bitter. Bitter? Either I do it passionately. Two people can do the same thing. One with passion and the other one... I would say routine. Okay? And I'm applying this, this word passion. Right, I'm going to talk specifically about our relationship with God. But honestly, you can look at marriage the same way. You can look at marriage, there comes a point in time, we start with passion and we go with just routine. And there's some marriages that are just routine. And there's some friendships that are just routine. And there's some people who are in their careers just going through the motions. And there's other people who do things with passion. Routine is the killer of all passion. 
Routine is the killer of all passion. <clears throat> we want to figure out how we can obtain and maintain our passion for God. God made us to be passionate people. One time when the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking, somebody came and asked him. He said, hey Jesus, dumb it down here for me. I'm not that smart. Tell me, I can't figure out all these commandments and all these different things. Dumb it down here for me. Give me one. Give me what's the number one most important one that I should focus on. I can't even remember the ten. Just give me one. Jesus said what? Jesus said in Mark 12 verse 30, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, he's saying you should love God how? Passionately. Not half-heartedly. Not half-mindedly. Not half-strengthedly. He's saying if you're going to love me, love me passionately. Love me fully. Love me with all your heart. I don't want 99%. I want all your heart. And all your mind. And all your soul. And all your strength. And if you could have thought of some more alls, he would have thrown those in there as well. Like you feel like even Jesus is very passionate when he's saying, I don't want half-hearted love. I don't want half-hearted anything. Give me all. Another verse that says this, one of my favorite verses. We chose this as our theme verse for our staff at Good Shepherd. Okay, the school that we have. We chose this as our theme verse. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Ask to the Lord, not to men. I told all the staff, look, if you're doing things to impress me, you're making a mistake. Because I may sign this paycheck, but he signs a much greater paycheck. So we don't want to go through the motions. We do it for God. And we do it as if, this is what I say to them, if I'm cleaning up this table, I'm cleaning this table because I know that Jesus is watching how I clean this table. And I'm cleaning it the way that he would want me, with passion. And I'm doing it with wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, because he hates that. If I'm going to obey the commandments, look, I may not be able to obey every single commandment. But you know what? Here's a commandment that's in front of me. And I'm going to take that commandment. And I'm going to focus on that commandment. And I'm going to obey that commandment wholeheartedly. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, I may be bad at other things. But I'm not going to... I'm going to take what's in front of me right now. And now, I'm here in liturgy. I'm going to be wholeheartedly in liturgy. And now, or after I'm engaged in the conversation, I'm going to be wholeheartedly in that conversation. This concept of do things hardly ask the Lord not to men applies to everything that we do. We want to be people of passion. You know what I discovered? And you correct me if I'm wrong since y'all are out there in the workplace and in real life more than me. In this country, the United States of America, it is okay to be passionate about anything except God. You can be passionate about the dumbest things and forgive me, I'm not trying to make little of anyone. Some people are passionate about the dumbest things that make no difference to anyone, any, and they are passionate about it. And we give them nonprofit status, and we give them tax breaks, right? and they're passionate about the dumbest things. You be passionate about anything in this country. Be passionate about God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm saying right now, saying. Passionately, sing like you mean it. If I go to a football game and I scream my guts off and I paint my face and the finger and everything, people say, yeah, that's a true fan. If I do that for God, people say, <laughs> for God, just kind of keep it to yourself. No, 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 no. 
Prefer the skins? Wear the stuff. Paint the face. Do the finger. Buy the souvenirs. Yeah, get there early. Tailgate. Yeah, do it all. Lose your voice. Yeah, go all out. Skip work. Whatever it takes. For God? Cool it. What does that tell us? Be passionate about your sports. Be passionate about politics. We don't talk about politics, but I know people are passionate about politics. But we're trying to keep it clean here, okay? People passionate about animals. People passionate about trees. People passionate about outer space. I'm not making light of it. I'm saying that's great, whatever it is. But then how come when it comes to God, no, we have to be even keeled and keep it cool? Something ain't right. The word in the Bible, <clears throat> or the expression in the Bible, is fervent in spirit. You've heard that expression, fervent in spirit. St. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 11. He's commanding the Romans. He's saying, don't be lagging in diligence. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. That expression, fervent in spirit, fiery in spirit. Sometimes we look at something like this, says, be fervent in spirit. And some people say, hey, Father Anthony, cool it. That's not my personality. That's like my crazy wife's personality, okay? Or those young kids' personality. But that's not my personality. I am even Stephen. Look, here's what I'll say to that. I agree that some people are more naturally enthusiastic and passionate. I agree. Some people, like for example, if we're singing a song, some people naturally, they're more inclined to sing with, like that's fine. But I can't say that, that just because it's not your nature and it's not like natural for you, that, that, that somehow exempts you from having to be fervent in spirit. Just like some people, like, like I look at my wife for example, she's a nicer person than I am. She's easier for her to be compassionate and nice. That doesn't exempt me saying, okay, I don't need to be nice, I'm not naturally nice. Okay, I have to try to be nice. And I have to try to be compassionate. It's not my nature. It's her nature to be compassionate. But that doesn't mean that I don't have to do it. Alright? And it's the same thing here. Some people naturally are more passionate in a relationship with God. They express their emotions better. Some people are more naturally like that. But that doesn't exempt the rest of us from, from putting in our best effort to love God emotionally. And some people say, wait, our, our love for God shouldn't be based on emotions. I agree it shouldn't be based on emotions, but it shouldn't be void of them either. It's just like a marriage. Yes, a marriage should not be based on emotions. But it shouldn't be void of them either. We can't make it that it's a, a stoic relationship between two people. There's emotions that's involved. And we should not be scared to have emotions with our God. Because He has passionate emotions for us. And we should be passionate about Him. Yes, that isn't the whole relationship. But that's got to be a component of it. And it has nothing to do with age, nothing to do with gender, nothing to do with culture. I know old people who's passionate. And I know people who are men who are not passionate about anything, but they're passionate about the relationship with God, has nothing to do with anything. The fact that God gave you feelings and gave you something called emotions means that you should give them back to Him in worship of Him. Passion going on over there. <laughs> See, right on cue, there's passion. For those who were here last night, we had a prayer night last night. It was the best. If you missed out on the prayer night, you missed out on the prayer night. It was the best. But right across the hallways there, you think this is loud? There was a wedding. And I think some of you might have been at that wedding because it was someone from, our, someone from St. Mark's. Okay, but we won't name names, okay? 
The music was so loud. It was so loud. We've been here for four weeks and we've had all kinds of weddings. We've never had music half that loud. Leave it to the Egyptian people to make it. But that's okay. We prayed. God blessed our night in a great way. So don't worry about that. That's nothing compared to last night is what I'm trying to say. And it was Arabic music and everything. It was the fun kind of music. Look, is it easy to be fervent in spirit? Is it easy to be passionate about God? Is it easy? No. And I'll be the first one to admit that being passionate, think of it like a balloon. You know, a helium balloon? All right. A helium balloon has helium and it goes straight to the top. But what happens over time? It starts to lose the helium and it starts to... That's a good picture of life. Because all of us get passionate about God. But the hard part is not getting passionate, it is staying passionate. So what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the things that suck the passion out of us. What I'm going to call four passion killers. The things that we feel this, whether it's, you know, like we, we had a, a, a spiritual experience or we're on some kind of high and we're here, and then what life does is life just starts to beat you down. And if you don't understand how these four passion killers work, and you start to put things in place to kind of plug those holes, then your balloon is just inevitable till it sinks. Four passion killers. The first passion killer is an unbalanced schedule. It starts very practical. An unbalanced schedule. Keyword, we need balance in life. Because when things aren't balanced, nothing works right, as the picture shows. Okay? The thing doesn't work right when there's too much on this side, but if there wasn't enough on this side and there's too much on this side, it would equally not as work, work as well. Our being, human, human beings, we need work and we need rest. We need laughing and we need crying. We need social and we need alone. And the wise one is the one who's able to balance these different things. Some of us are overworked. And it may not be, you may not be overworked at work. Maybe overworked outside of work. Commitments and, and responsibilities and, and, and you decide that you want to volunteer for this and coach that and sign up for this and you may be overcommitted. If that's the case, no matter what it is, look, you're passionate about one time I, uh, uh, when my kid first started playing uh, uh, t-ball, I was an assistant coach. All right, I signed up to be an assistant coach because I wanted to force myself to go to all the games. Okay? And that's the way I only could force myself to be there for all the games. And I'm passionate about it. But then by the end of the season, the schedule and my passion for t-ball started to go down as my schedule commitment started to go up. Balance. When I'm overcommitted, no matter what it is, and I may love it, but I hate it. I love it, but I hate it. Because I'm out of balance. <clears throat> Sometimes, when we have that, we shift to the other side. I'm not doing anything. And I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. And that also out of balance. Because then we become lazy and, and bad. Okay? So the key is how we can solve this unbalanced schedule. 1 Timothy 4.7 For those who are not in favor of athletics and exercise, look what... St. Paul says here to Timothy, he says, exercise yourself towards godliness. Think about this. Let's go to my physical body. I want to keep my physical body 
fit? How do I keep it fit? What do I need to do? And to exercise, right? So I'm going to exercise. I'm going to exercise all day, every single day I'm going to exercise. And then after I finish, I go eat donuts. Am I going to be fit? Am I going to be fit? The answer is no, gentlemen. The answer is no. <laughs> Some guys are like, yeah, you know, he's on to something. The answer is no. Yeah. Okay. No. Because I'm not eating healthy. So I say, okay, you know what? I'm never going to exercise. I'm just going to make sure that I eat healthy. And I'm never going to move. I'm just going to sit on my couch all day and just eat uh, um, healthy food. Am I going to be in shape? No. So what's the right answer? Is it exercise or is it food? It's balance. The right answer is balance. Okay? And the right answer, if you have an unbalanced schedule, you need to balance God's purposes in your life. Should I volunteer for my kids or not volunteer for my kids? There's no right answer. You should sometimes volunteer to be with your kids in this T-Bowl, but then you also have to balance it with other commitments. Should I go to church? Yes, but I shouldn't go to church every day. Should I uh, uh, pray? Yes, I should pray, but I can do other things other than pray. I got to be balanced. Don't jump to one of the extremes. Yes, the answer is um, uh, spend time with my wife. So I spend every single day, every night with my wife? Come on, man. <laughs> she walked out of the room. That's why I could say that. <laughs> See, I got the points when she was here with the nice thing and then... <clears throat> we want to be balanced. Don't jump. This is why sometimes we're not... We, we, our, our balloon keeps going up and down and up and down because we're not balanced. If you want to be healthy physically, you've got to balance rest, exercise, eating, mental, intellectual. You've got to balance these things. If you want to be balanced spiritually, you've got to balance spending alone time with God, spending time in community. You've got to balance giving all right, and sacrificing and being there to help other people move when they need to move. But then you need to be able to have boundaries and say, you know what, I can't help you move this weekend. You need to be balanced. The beautiful thing about our core values. We have 10 core values. And believe me, believe me, I say this in front of God, okay? And I told this to the group before as we were preparing. These core values really came from God. They really, really, really came from God. And God just kind of gave them to me. One day we've been struggling in core values, how we're going to do it. And I went to a Panera Bread. I sat there for about two hours and I just typed, 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 typed. I got home, kind of combined some stuff, edited some stuff, modified this, grouped these together. Next thing you know, we had 10. And I kept those 10 right there. And then we had something else. We have a vision statement. All right, and one of the things that the vision statement says, by the way, for those who don't have our mission, vision, and core values, all right, do we have extras of those? We printed like a whole bunch of them and they should be outside. Is that correct? Do we still have extras of those? Maybe? In the back, okay? So we print it on a nice piece of paper. If you don't have it, you take it, but you gotta stick it on your fridge. All right, you gotta keep it hanging on your fridge so you can remember our mission statement, our vision, and our core values. Our vision statement says that we wanna be like the Acts 2 church, because we believe that we are, that the church didn't die. And we looked at that Acts 2 church, and we broke it down, and they had five things that, that we felt that they did. We, they, had, they had fellowship, and they had community. They had worship, and they had prayer. They had spiritual maturity or doctrine is what it's called. They had sacrifice and they had giving and they had evangelism and witnessing. Those five things. I took a look at these ten core values and I look at these five and believe me, it's from God. Two of these matched up to every one of these. I promise. And every one of our core values, that's why you saw the first core value, 
The first two was limitless acceptance and authentic community. That's the first component of the early church, which is the kononia or the fellowship. And now we are on the transformational worship and the passionate pursuit of God. That's the second, which is the prayer. And they had prayer and worship. My point is that the core values that we picked here in this church and that I should say that God gave us are that balance. And that's what I'm saying is we do want to have community, but we also want to be witnessing to others. So we don't want to be just community and play softball together and run 5Ks together and, and go cooking together, but we want to worship together. And then we want to serve together. And then we want to witness together. And then we want to pray together. We got to keep all these in balance. Okay? So that's the first component. Each one needs to examine their schedule. If you find your passion for God is down, examine. Where are you not balanced? Where is something off kilter? Second one, passion killer, an unconfessed sin. An unconfessed sin. And this is a big one. <clears throat> because you know, just like I know, that nothing will rob you of joy and passion and enthusiasm faster than guilt and shame. You can't be enthusiastic and passionate and feel shame and guilt at the same time. The two are exclusive of one another. Look what King David says in this verse from Psalm 38. And tell me if this, if you can relate. King David says, My iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. And this is someone who is passionate about God. Like King David was passionate. But he's saying like right now, it's just a heavy load on me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. Unconfessed sin will never resolve itself. Say that again. Unconfessed sin will never resolve itself. We think we just put it over there and it'll just go away. It's not going to go away. It's a termite. If you got a termite, that termite is going to eat away at your house until the whole thing comes crumbling down. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not doing its damage. And if you have unconfessed sin in your life, it is going to gnaw away at you until it destroys your life. That's why the solution for this one is simple. Just deal with it. Deal with it immediately. Deal with it immediately. Look, I said this, I've been saying this every single week here. One of the things at St. Tim's that, that we wanted to make sure about is that we had a regular time for confession. And I insisted, when we started to rent this hotel, it's much, we're renting it for this, like five hours on Sunday morning, and the cost is this. They rent it for three hours on Saturday night, and the cost is much higher. Because on Saturday night they have weddings and stuff like that. But I insisted that we have to have a place on Saturday night for confession hours. We have to. We have to have a place that you know that every Saturday night, from, we have Vespers from 7 to 7.30, then after that, I'm here from 7.30 to 9.30. Anyone can come and confess. Because if you got stuff inside, we are never going to do anything great for God as long as we have unrepented for and unconfessed sins inside us. We're never going to do anything great for God. As long as we're dirty and as long as we're guilt and shame, we can't do anything. We can't have authentic community when there's stuff. We can't really have transformational worship. And we cannot passionately pursue nothing when there is unconfessed sin inside. We must deal with it. And the beautiful thing is now every Saturday night, right here, you don't need to make an appointment, you just show up. 
Every Saturday night, I'm here, and anyone just show up, deal with it. You deal with it the right way. You bring it to God, you bring it to His feet, you repent, and you walk away, and you regain your passion for God. Just this past week, like I told you guys before, I'm reading the Gospel of, according to St. John these days. All right? and, I, and I'm reading it a lot slower than I had anticipated just because it's so rich. So this past week, this was my memory verse for this week. Every week I choose like a verse to memorize. And it was this one. It was the one Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, the, the disciples' feet. All right? And St. Peter said to him, No, no, no. Don't wash my feet. Jesus said to him, Look, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And that verse hit me like a ton of bricks. He wasn't talking to St. Peter. He's talking to me. And he's talking to you. And he's talking to you today. Saying, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And I'm saying, no, Jesus, but I love you. He's saying, that's great. But unless I wash you, you have no part. I'm not saying I, I reject you or I refuse you. But what I'm saying is in here, you come into my house, look, limitless acceptance. I accept you all in my house. But you have to wipe your feet and take your shoes off. That's the rule in my house. You come in, you wipe your feet, you take your shoes off, welcome. You don't want to take your shoes off and wipe your feet, we might have a problem. This house is a clean feet house. Clean feet zone. That's what Jesus says. He says anyone is welcome, but you got to wipe your feet. And if you don't wipe your feet, you can't enter. And I want you to enter. I want you to enter more than you want to enter. But you got to wipe your feet. <clears throat> in your... Uh, hand out there I put some other verses that you might want to look up when you go home because I always feel like I can bring verses but like I said this verse right here spoke so loudly to me there's some other verses there some verses from 1 John 1 9 Psalm 103 I encourage you to look those up and, and, and take a look about what God says about you when you carry that weight I'll tell you a, a, a joke funny joke about a guy who was, uh, I don't want to say a Polish guy, I don't want to say a Saidi guy. How about West Virginia? Anyone here from West Virginia? Yeah. All right, we'll go West Virginia. Okay, you're from West Virginia? No? Okay. Okay, so a guy from West Virginia. All right, and this guy is um, walking down the street and he's carrying like this big sack of potatoes. Big sack of potatoes. And he is lumbering. All right, and his sack of potatoes is so heavy. So heavy. So some other guy comes and he's riding on like a horse, a donkey, and he's got like an assistant donkey, okay? So he's riding on the donkey with the assistant donkey, so he sees the guy, he's like, okay, hey, you know, like, you look like you could use a hand, why don't you sit on the donkey, all right? And we'll go together, we're going the same direction. So the guy says, oh, wow, that's great, I really appreciate it. So the guy gets on the donkey, and the other guy gets on this donkey, and they're riding, and then the guy looks, and the West Virginia guy, is still carrying the sack of potatoes on his shoulder. So he stops and he gets off and he asks him like, why are you still carrying like the sack of potatoes on your shoulder? Why don't you put it on the donkey? And he says, no, 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 it's too much for the donkey to carry me. I couldn't ask him to carry the sack of potatoes as well. It's too much for him. <laughs> Funny. But that's what we do. That's what we do to God. Like, Jesus is saying, give me the sack of potatoes. And he's already carrying us anyway. And here we are holding on to the sack of potatoes like a dumb person when he's already carrying us anyway. What I'm saying is, whatever guilt, whatever shame, whatever it is, 
I'm not saying it's not bad, and I'm not saying forget about it. I'm saying deal with it. But don't deal with it tomorrow. Deal with it today. You know in your marriage, when there's something, okay? You know when there's something in your marriage, and you pretend it's not there, and she pretends it's not there, and each one pretends it's not there, and you kind of like, you know what I mean? And you kind of go through the motions, but it's not right. Something's not right. Each of you is not, something's not right. We do that with God. And we do, and yeah, and we pray, and we go to church, we just make sure that no one, lo- yeah, yeah. And we'll do, go through all the motions. But something's not right. We want to make it right with God. Unconfessed sin, deal with it immediately. Third passion killer is an unsupported lifestyle. <clears throat> an unsupported lifestyle. Agree with me about this. Passion is contagious. Agree or disagree? Agree. It's fire. What's the best way to be, stay on fire? Hang out with people on fire. And you know that there's certain people that when you hang out with them, and I know the people in my life, that I will fly across the country for just a, for one day to be with this person who is on fire because I know that every time I come back, I come back on fire myself. We all stumble. We all, our balloons go down. So what we need to do is build in a support network with one another where we can pick each other up. Where when I'm, you're down, I'm up, I pick you up, and then vice versa. That's why we talked about community two weeks ago, and that's why we talked about the life and leisure groups and all that kind of stuff. St. Paul says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Again, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Saying, as time goes and we get closer and closer to the end, it is that much more important that we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Look, I've seen this one way, way, way too many times. What is the first step if the devil wants to destroy you and send you to a faraway place? What is the first thing that he does with you? He isolates you. That's the first step. When the devil, like go back and think to whenever it was that you were so far away from God and you were so messed up, the first thing that the devil did is tell you, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can go to church this Sunday? Why you can go to church? Cool it, don't go this Sunday. No, no, no. That group wants to get together? Why you can hang out with them? Just hang out over here. Or you know what? Go hang out with those guys. Remember your old friends? Go hang out with them. First thing the devil is going to do is he's going to isolate you from your support network. You cannot let him win. That's why I'm telling you, the one thing that will keep us here more than anything else is the fact that we are together. Like if I see you every single day and we hang out every single day, and of course we're never going to do that, but I'm saying hypothetically (laughs) that we hang out every single day, you're only going to be able to stray so far before I say, hey, what's wrong with you? Like you're only going to be able to get so far away. But it's when we isolate ourselves and we're gone for a week and then two weeks, and then three weeks. And you all know somebody who falls off the face of the earth every now and then, and that's the worst thing that you can do. <clears throat> Solution? Get active in groups. Last week, or two weeks ago, I talked about life and leisure groups. And without getting into all of it again, what we want to do is create two kinds of things here. Life groups, which we'll talk about later on, 
Like we haven't started those yet. And we, what we started uh, this past week is leisure groups. And leisure groups is basically us doing whatever it is that we do in life, but doing it together. And it's basically, instead of me, you know, I want to do, um, like, you know, someone said, I want to go to this jazz in the garden thing. So instead of me and my one friend going to this jazz in the garden, we put it up on this list of leisure groups and we say, hey, me and him are going to this jazz in the garden thing. Anyone who wants to join, this is the time, this is the place, anyone is welcome. And we hope that friendships can form from that. Another person said, me and a group of 10 guys, we play softball on Sundays. So instead of just me and my 10 friends, let me open it up, put it out here on the website. Hey, anyone who want to play softball, this time, this place, come and join. I'm not saying that a game of softball or a jazz in the garden is going to save your life. But what I am saying is, the one who is smart knows that he needs relationships. So don't wait until you're in a crisis to invest in relationships. Establish them now and prepare them now because you know you're going to need them at some point in time. So the first passion killer, we said an unbalanced schedule. Second passion killer, and the solution for that is we want balance. Second passion killer is what? Show me that you're listening. Second passion killer is? Unconfessed sin. And the solution for that is? Deal with it immediately. Third passion killer, which you just said, is? Unsupported lifestyle. And the solution is to get involved in groups. And the fourth passion killer is an undernourished spirit. An undernourished spirit. If you want something to grow, then you must nourish it and feed it. Whether that's a garden, whether that's a child, or whether that's a spirit. If I got, let me go back to that example. If I got a garden, and I do nothing to that garden, what's going to happen? I do nothing. It's going to die. Like the default, just like that computer just died. Okay. <laughs> The default, the battery just died? Okay. It's okay. The default, we got all kinds of technical difficulties today. We're trying to save that battery too, but. The default is that it's going to die. If I don't feed the plant, like the default is that it's going to die. And same with my child. If I don't feed my child, the default is going to die. And the same with my spirit. If I don't nourish and I'm not proactive in feeding my spirit, the default is that it is going to die. A verse in your handout, which is not on the screen, okay, is James 5, verse 15, which says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know when it says the days are evil, you know what that means? It means the time is not on your side. The days are evil means that if nothing is happening, something bad is happening. If you are not feeding your body, then your body is slowly deteriorating and dying. And if you are not feeding your spirit regularly, intentionally, proactively, if you're not feeding your spirit and saying, you know what, I need, to I need my spirit to be getting bigger. I need my spirit to be getting stronger. I need to be doing something. If you're not, then you are slowly deteriorating and withering away before the eyes of the people that surround you. So the solution here is develop a plan, okay? The solution for this is you need to develop a plan. In any area of life that you don't have a plan, you are going to fail. What is it? Uh, failing to plan equals, you know this one? Is planning to fail. 
If you have a lot of money and you don't have a plan of how you're gonna use that money, you're going to fail with your money. Because the days are evil and money's just gonna get sucked away here and there. Okay, people are gonna come and wanna borrow, vultures are gonna come from all over the place, they're gonna suck away. Unless you have a plan, you're gonna lose it. And unless you have a plan, here's your spirit. I give you your spirit. What's your plan of how you're gonna develop this, this spirit? If you don't have a plan, it's going to deteriorate and it's probably going to die. Here's the bottom line that every one of us needs to know here today. Our God created us and commanded us to be passionate for Him. He created us to be passionate and He commands us to be passionate for Him. For at least today, don't think about rules. Don't think about routines. Don't think about like, what do I do for God? Forget about all that stuff for today. Just for one day, forget about that stuff. Because none of that stuff matters. What matters is, if I were to open up your heart, and I could go deep inside, and I open up your heart, and I look inside there, how much passion am I going to see for God? You know why it's so important to be passionate about God? Because above all else, He is so passionate for you. And when you compare His passion for me with what is usually my response back to Him, let's go back to marriage. Wives, ladies, who's married. What do you want from your husbands? What do you want? If I ask you, what is it you want? Give me a list of 10 things that you want. And I'm telling you, I will force your husband to do these 10 things. Give me whatever list, and I promise you do these 10 things. Yeah, 25. <laughs> the married man said there'd probably be 25 on the list, okay? But look, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, wives. If you put down 25 things on that 10 item list, and he does every single one of them, do the dishes, do the laundry, get the milk, stop burping, you know, put on a shirt, like whatever it is, okay? Whatever those lists may be. He does every single one of them. But he has no passion for you. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? Is that what you want? Do you want someone to pick up milk when there's no milk? Someone to do the dishes? Is that why you got married? I'm saying, you come up with a list. I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And I can do all these things going through the motions. You're satisfied? Well, that's exactly what we do to God. That's exactly what we do to God. And God says, just like all the wives here would say, that I don't care about the dishes, I don't care about the laundry, I care about you. And I want you to be passionate for me. And I'll tell you what, guys, this is something I learned. If you are passionate and you fail to do one of those lists on the 10 things, passion can cover a multitude of sins. <laughs> we didn't get married so we could have people to do laundry for us. We didn't get married so that we have people to pick up the kids. Those things are nice. I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things are very, very nice and would be very helpful if those are involved. But we got married because we were passionate about somebody and we want that person to be passionate about us. I'm afraid that we go to God and say, okay, God, look, come on. I did the four or five, like I did the things on the list. I did it. What's wrong? Like, okay, enough. And God says, really? 
That's how this is? You know why you should be passionate about God? Because He's so passionate about you and it is very hurtful to be passionate for someone and have them just go through the motions back with you. Isn't it? The Bible says in Exodus 34 verse 14, maybe a verse that you never saw before. God says, You shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Did you know that God is jealous? You know what jealous means? Jealous means passionate. He said, I don't want to share you with other gods. Not because those other gods are, okay, those other gods are stupid, but I want you just for me. I want not 99% of your heart, I want 100% of your heart. I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. I want you to do all things heartily. Ask the Lord, not to men. Why? Because that's the way I did for you. That's what I did for you. That's what I'm saying is all you need to look no further and look up here on the cross and you see what Jesus did. This is passion. This is passion. Isn't that what we say even? This is the pat, like passion means suffering. Like the, that context of passion. You know what I mean? Like the passion of the Lord. Okay? So the, you see his passion right here. And you see what he was willing to go through. Not because he needed to, but just because he wanted you. How can you look at that passion and then just go through the motions? That ain't right. And we are not going to be a group of people who go through the motions. We're not. And if that's what you want to be, you're not going to like coming here. You're not. Because we're going to do things passionately. And if we pray, we're all going to pray with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we go out to lunch together, we're going to laugh, we're going to joke, we're going to have community. But then when it's time to pray, we're going to pray. And it's time to serve, we're going to serve. And it's time to eat, we're going to eat. And we're going to eat when it's time to eat. We're going to do everything passionately. Ask to the Lord and not to men. Because that's how God created us. Look at this verse in your handout. Psalm 107, verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. It is a wise thing to do to look at the Lord's cross and to remember His great love for us. Because as we look at Him on the cross, arms outstretched, all I can see is Him saying, I would rather this than live without you. That's what this is. That's what I see when I look at this. I would rather this and you know how much this entailed. I would rather all of this than to live one day without you. That's passion. What's your response? What's the worst sin in Christianity? What's the worst sin in the Bible? Murder? Adultery? Lying? Insulting a priest? <laughs> What's the worst sin? Begins with an L. Lukewarmness. Look at that last verse on your handout. I know your deeds. Revelation 3.15. I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And I bought the nice version there. The not nice version, the King James says, vomit you out of my mouth. What's the worst sin in Christianity? Lukewarmness. What's the worst sin in my household? That I didn't fold my laundry? That I put my towel on the floor again? That I didn't wipe my shoes? Or that I just don't care? See all those other ones? We can deal with. If you care, we can deal with these. We can talk about a strategy to get the towel up on the rack. We can figure out a place to put the shoes. But if there's no passion, that's what Jesus is saying right there. He's saying, I know. You, I know your deeds. 
I know you always put the towel on. I know you always wipe the shoes. I know you do the sign of the cross 500 times in church. Okay, you're the best. I know you say all the right prayers. You come to church early. You're deacon. You, like, you, you got it all down. You're the best. Way to go. But I hate you is what he says. I hate you. Because you're just going through the motions. And I'd rather vomit you out of my mouth. I would rather you go join any place outside. Don't come to this place. Because to see you lukewarm, again, married people, you understand this, is so much more painful, isn't it? To see you lukewarm is so much more painful. The challenge for this week is to rekindle that fire for God. Rekindle that fire for God. You want that fire back, don't you? I want it back. You want to be passionate for God, don't you? You want it. That's your deepest desire in your heart, is to be passionate about God. I'm not saying you're going to get it back today or tomorrow, but what I'm saying is you are not going to accept going through the motions anymore. I'm not saying I can fix it in 24 hours, but I'm saying I can stop accepting it in 24 hours. I'm saying today I don't accept it. I don't know how I'm going to fix it, but I don't accept it. And I'm telling you, that decision to not accept it, that's like 85% of the solution right there. That decision that says, I will be passionate about you, God. I will be. Because you are so passionate about me. And you are so worthy of it. I'm not going to go through the motions. I would rather not pray than pray a half-hearted prayer. I may pray for two minutes, but it was going to be a passionate two minutes. And I may not read my entire Bible this week, but you know what? I'm going to read a chapter or a section a day, and I'm going to be fully in that section this day. I'm going to do things passionately as to the Lord and not to men. You with me? Who else want to be passionate about God? Who else want to rekindle that flame? 